the beach, the only place to read your emails and tweets. It's Wednesday, April 15th. I'm Jay Skeets, and alongside me, thanks to the power of technology, Tass Millis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie, we got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo! Hey, hey yo! Whoa. The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends! Mm. <sighs> and last but not least, <laughs> making the magic happen is JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Thanks to everybody who sent in their questions over the last couple of days. Keep them coming. Email nodunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc or use that hashtag nodunks. And before we get into the questions, make sure to check out yesterday's NBA News Roundup podcast. Talking a little b-ball, that was a nice change. We discussed the strained relationship, or potentially strained relationship, between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Got into the Bulls front office shakeup. We hit the celebration music and everything with Gargon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got into reports that the league is looking at a 25-day return to basketball windows. So much more. So check that out. NBA News Roundup. But let's get to the cues. Yeah, we're creative here, trying to come up with creative ideas. You guys are great at sending some creative emails. Starting with the first one. Hey, No Dunks crew. I'm a longtime listener of you guys living in Dubai. I was thinking about Kobe Bryant recently due to his recent Hall of Fame induction. I know everyone knows about the legacy of Kobe and Shaq, but what about his other teammates later on in his career? In particular, Pau Gasol and Derek Fisher. Obviously, they didn't have the impact that Shaq did, but they still won two ships together with Kobe. So my question is, how do you think the Laker careers of Pau and Derek will be remembered? Do they deserve to get their jersey retired, or will they be remembered as Kobe sidekicks? Much love to the No Dunks crew, and stay safe, y'all. That's from Gabe A. Mm, good question, Gabe. I'll start with Pau Gasol. I mean, he should, and I think he will, absolutely have his jersey retired by the Lakers. Um, they don't win the title without Pau Gasol. Kobe was awesome. He's finals MVP, but they don't win that in 09 or 10 without Pau. He was he was just awesome. So, I mean, awesome in the playoff runs with LA, you know, 17 and 10, three and a half assists over like nearly 100 playoff games. And then regular season, he was a rock solid too for the six and a half years he was there. 18, 10, three and a half. I mean, really, really consistent. And, you know, I went back because I had forgotten a little bit about how dominant Gasol was in the 2010 finals, especially um, versus the Celtics. He averaged 19, 12, and four with nearly three blocks per game. He generally, I mean, outplayed Kendrick Perkins, no doubt. You could even argue he (laughs) outplayed Garnett at times. And he played more minutes Gasol did you know, more minutes per game than Kobe Bryant in that finals, which is, uh, you know, they were neck and neck, but that's pretty shocking. Um, and then going for like the 19 and 18 in game seven, he was plus seven in a, you know, obviously a huge must win game. So I think Pau Gasol, I think that's a no brainer. I know it's only six and a half seasons and yeah, he was never the best player uh, on that Lakers squad. That's going to go to Kobe, but that's fine. I mean, we've had other Lakers greats, you know, be it worthy, not being the best player, um, on championships teams, or Jamal Wilkes not being the best player on championships teams in LA. Pau Gasol, for me, I don't know if you guys agree, is a no-brainer that he gets retired there. Absolutely. Uh, got a couple of titles. He was All-NBA four times with the Lakers, and All-Star four times with the Lakers. The Lakers have a long history of legendary big man, uh, big men, and Pau is still in the top ten in a whole bunch of big man categories. Rebounds, yeah. blocks, field goal percentage. Second best player on a back-to-back championship team. Put the number in the rafters, baby. I think you can even argue at, at sometimes one, 1A, he was the best player in some of those games that For they sure. won yeah. in, in those finals games, too. 
Oh, I think I think he had a strong case for finals MVP in 2010. Uh, he, he was so good, but it went to Kobe, of course, and you sort of felt that it probably was always going to go to Kobe unless he had an absolute stinker. But uh, yeah, power's a no-brainer. Derek Fisher, though, I don't think he gets his number retired. He, he was a good player, but he was, you know, your role player, classic role player. He filled in, he, he did well, he did his job, but he certainly didn't do, in my opinion, jersey retirement type of stuff. I know he spent a lot of his career there in LA, won all those championships, of course, early on with Shaq. And Kobe as well, uh, you know, a loyal, uh, solid veteran, but no more than that, in my opinion. And and that role could have been played by, you know, anyone if they were in the right place at the right time. And Fisher's career just sort of coincided there uh, at, for good timing with the Lakers. You know, he left for a couple of years. He went to Golden State and Utah, came back and played well. But I, I don't really put him in the same bracket as uh, as those other guys who are you know who are already retired and and likely to get retired in the future. That hurts. Hurts Derek Fisher right in the heart. You say other people <laughs> could have played that role when he was oh, yeah. Mr. Defense, putting those biceps on the line. Getting <laughs> Headband in the way over of, the ears. Yeah. Headband <laughs> over the ears. Yeah, a lot of guys could have played that, but he you know, Kobe brought him along for sure and, and he helped make Derek Fisher uh, you know, the player that he was. And I think the emailer probably just forgets that he won the first three championships that Kobe won along mm-hmm. with Shaq too. So yeah. Derek Fisher's a fiver. He's a five championship guy while Powell is two. I yeah. understand you may not put Derek Fisher's number in the rafters. Probably not. Uh, it's something we talked about the last couple of weeks when we talked about players like Bruce Bowen on the San Antonio Spurs. His number's up in the rafters. But they don't have a real storied history you know, beyond this Tim Duncan era. Uh, like the Lakers do, obviously. No. So I wonder. I wonder if that hurts people like Derek Fisher, or it hurts even Pau Gasol. Uh, you mentioned Worthy. That's that's an apt comparison, I think. And and I definitely watching those those two finals. I was a big Pau fan. I wanted him to be Finals MVP at times uh, in those in those series as well. When he was Mister Reliable against the Celtics, while you know Kobe had some some off shooting nights like Game Seven. Um, I don't. I don't even know if I don't think Powell really cares. Uh, it would be nice for him, but he's getting in the Hall of Fame, so I think that's the the first and, and foremost thing on, on should be what happens to him post playing career, um, which is you know what I guess he would go in the twenty twenty three class. I assume Powell is uh, he's hung him up and he'll get in there twenty twenty three. But Derek, yeah, I gotta agree. I, Derek was a pretty good compliment for Kobe in the backcourt. Didn't need to shoot, just stand there and shoot and play defense. But it's all it's all about the franchise and whether they want to just throw a guy up there who was very good at his role. But yeah, now maybe it kill. I think it does hurt them, hurt him in particular because of their story history. Yeah, it does for sure. Because Derek Fisher, if he were to have his jersey retired by the Lakers, would be the worst player to have his jersey retired by the Lakers. It'd be hands down because it's yeah. Kobe's got two numbers for crying out loud: Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor. <laughs> Gil Goodrich, Magic, Kareem, Shaq, James Worthy, Jerry West, and Jamal Wilkes. So Fisher would be the worst, even though he's got the five titles. I mean, kudos to Fish, though. I mean, hit obviously huge shots during a lot of these playoff runs. You said the defense. I forgot that he started outside of his fir- that first year, that 99-2000 season, where they win that one. Fisher started every single playoff game during the rest of those title runs. That's pretty damn yeah, well, impressive. So you He's know, the... Uh playoff career holder isn't he in games played i'm pretty sure still yep it's he's up there you're you're absolutely right so i mean you call him a complimentary player i get what you're saying because the guy wasn't going out and dropping 2025 he was more like i'll give you 10 and great defense and hit a big shot or two but 
was starting on these teams. So that's something. But he would be the worst, and I think that does hurt him. I actually yeah. don't think, ultimately, his jersey will be retired by the Lakers. Um, but Powell, the only the only way you could say, well, I don't know about Powell Gasol, is if, if, is if you think six and a half seasons isn't enough. That's it. Because otherwise, if it's like eight, nine, it's, it's ten, it's a no-brainer. I think it's a no-brainer at six and a half. Maybe someone disagrees. I think Jamal Wilkes only played like eight seasons for the Lakers, and that was enough as, a, again, like a third-best player on a two-championship team. So, Pau Gasol's in, and, yeah. w- and I mean, well-deserved. Just one more thing, though, with uh, Derek Fisher. Like, Byron Scott was a complimentary player on three championships, yep. and he was a much better player than Derek yep. Fisher, you know, yep. higher averages, and his isn't retired. So, um, I, I think, you know, in terms of comparing a player, he's closer to Byron Scott, even though he's still a long way away from what Byron Scott achieved, I think, uh, with the Lakers. Okay. Yeah, Sounds I like think he's probably more yeah. in the family of a of a Robert Ory. Just happened to be there, big shots, and mm. he almost he almost became uh, a, a multi team champion like Robert Ory when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2012. He he could have been that guy to to kind of push him over the edge just a little bit when they were they were looking for some point guard help, but it didn't happen. Here, yeah, tough to be thing. a Laker and get your jersey retired. Michael Cooper, also an incredible role player for the Lakers. He's got five titles. Doesn't have his jersey yep. retired despite being an all-defensive player guy. Key to their championships in the 80s. Uh, just become a legend for a different team. I guess it's a little bit easier to get your number up in the rafters when you're not competing against the greatest of the greatest. Yeah, for sure. All right, next one. Hey, no punks. In the summer of 2010, I bought three basketball jerseys off eBay. So probably fake. The players were Kevin Durant, <laughs> Derrick Rose, and Steph Curry. Three young players drafted in 07, 08, and 09 respectively that I felt had a great future ahead of them. They all won an MVP within the next five seasons. Needless to say, I felt like a basketball savant with a crystal ball. If you had to repeat the exercise and get the jersey of young stars drafted in the 17, 18, and 19 who would win MVP in the next five years, which three players would you choose? That's from Nicholas um, from Quebec City, Canada. This may be our first email from Quebec City ever. I'm just guessing, but who the heck knows? I think this is one of those things that you should just retire on top, Nicholas. Don't try and pull this off again (laughs) because this is going to be hard. Let me set these drafts up. 17 was Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox in the top five. And if you go deeper... Donovan Mitchell at 13. Okay. I think we would all agree with the guy you'd pick from that draft. Tatum. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the it's the Tater, man. Okay, that yeah. one's easy. At the, the 18 draft, started with DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Trey Young. Deeper down, it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but I think we're all going to agree with that one as well. Yep. It's Luka. Yes. Here's the hard one. Okay. Mm, is it? 2019, Zion Williamson, John Morant, <laughs> R.J. Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, and Darius Garland. We don't have to go deeper in that one. Are we picking Zion or are you picking John Morant? Uh, you're mm. probably picking Zion, I think. Yeah. To win Easily. MVP. Easily. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I got to agree, but I don't think Nicholas should do it. Don't don't even try. It's just <laughs> because are you, are you, you're not – yeah, Luca and Zion – it's nice to think that they could win it. Jason Tatum, I guess, is an outside chance. Uh, well, you let, might let's hit go, two for three. You might well, hit two for yeah, three. Well, well let, let's go a little bit more. Let's let's close the parameters a little bit and say which of those three drafts, then, of those players you mentioned, do we think is going to be the first one to win MVP? 
Like, who do you think grabs it first? Is it, is it Doncic or is it Zion? Do you think Zion could do it? Oh, uh, wow. Or Tatum. I mean, Tatum's, you know, he, he's taking leaps. So if you had to pick one of those guys, who would you go with? I guess I go Luca. That is tough, though. I mean, mm. I, I, I'm putting my money on Luca to Oof. win it first, if I had to guess. Yeah, he's probably the closest right now. He yeah. will likely finish top five in MVP voting this year. And, and, you know, he shot 31% from three for the season, but you would think he shot 40. He's already got the media bump. People love Luca, so I think yeah. he mm-hmm. is by far the closest of anybody from these last three drafts. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wonder if Zion played 82 games. He'd be, he, I guess he wouldn't be top five MVP voting, but he'd be somewhere in the top. He'd yeah. be in the mix, probably. Yeah, he'd be yeah. top 10. But yep. pro- yeah, you're right about Luca's. When you say 31% from three, there's something there he can improve on. And he obviously improved from being a, a squarehead avatar. And by that, I mean he wasn't in an incredible shape coming into this league. And he obviously, to be able to carry a team, he slimmed down from a square to a trapezoid avatar. Or I don't know what stupid shape I'm thinking of. But he got, he got in shape. He slimmed down from year one to year two. And he can improve his three-point shooting. He can get an even better shape, I think, in, in year three. So... Yeah, I guess that's the answer. I'd, I'd probably go Luca, but and, that's, that's a good question. And here's question. the thing with with Nicholas's uh, unbelievable, you know, basketball savant crystal ball prediction back in 2010 in the summer 2010 when he was picking these jerseys. Okay, I mean Kevin Durant was a number two pick and was basically considered a stud, you know, in college at Texas. Derrick Rose, number one pick uh, again, you know, people obviously very very high on him. C- Curry, you know, kudos for that one. You know, back back then to do that to sort of say, oh, okay, uh, you know what, we saw Davidson, despite the ankle injuries, you know, doubling down and saying this guy's going to be something special. That's the, that's a good one. But my point is, I mean, it, he didn't go like three for three here on deep, deep reaches. <laughs> he went, you know, he really got one why, that was why like, Why do you got wow. a poo-poo? Why do you got a poo-poo? <laughs> I'm just saying, man, we're building it up like, you know, he's like uh, Tastradamus. You're not Tastradamus, mm-hmm. Nicholas. You're really not. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, it's a good three jerseys there. Unfortunately, of course... Uh, you know, Derek Rose jersey didn't last. Uh, well, no, that was a pretty good run. I, should, I take that back. It was a pretty good run. Next one. Hey, No Dunks crew. I have been trying to do my part to flatten the curve and remain at home as much as possible throughout this whole ordeal. Eventually, the need for groceries required me to take a trip to the store for the first time in about a week. I was sure to take as many precautions as I could, but when one thing I did not have was a mask. After reading, you could possibly use a bandana in a pinch and giving it some thought. I remembered something I purchased on a whim while working my way through season after season of Survivor over the last year or so. My trusty, bright, orange buff. Whenever I leave home now, I think to myself, I just want immunity from COVID-19. If you boys have one, can't recommend just throwing it on around your neck like a sporty little handkerchief after you get dressed. It looks cool and is endlessly functional as a headband, balaclava, or yes, even a makeshift face mask can't recommend it enough i guess is what he was trying to say anyways my question is have you ever purchased something on a whim that came in handy during a situation (laughs) thanks be well that's andy in schenectady new york Mm. wow well that's got to be the first time we've had someone from schenectady sending in a sending no no. first off pronounced that many a time (laughs) first off uh my favorite night of the week right now. we got uh, another episode of Survivor. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. I, I just can't believe I can't go to the office to go and get my buff. I really want to wear the buff. Like putting on your jersey when you're watching a game, you know? <laughs> yep. uh, I've been so wearing my uh, Wendell Survivor buff a lot recently. Yeah, me too. And, uh, yeah. Andy's right, man. It's fun yeah. to just chuck it on it, around it the neck. It sounds practical. Yeah. yeah, that's great. 
Well, well, for me, I guess, um, I guess for this question was when we went to the um, NBA award show a few years ago, the first time. Uh, I had a suit, but I just wanted to get a new shirt uh, and tie. So I went up to uh, Lennox Mall here, went into J Crew, mm-hmm. and I was talking to the uh, sales rep, and I said, "Yeah, I just need a shirt and a tie." And he he was really good. This guy, he he was actually the opposite of every bad sales rep you've ever seen because he wasn't pushy, mm-hmm. and. He sort of sensed like I think he, he I think he knew he was going to get the bigger sale if he played it cool. Ooh. So I said, okay. <laughs> we, he pulled out a shirt, he pulled out a tie, and he said, oh, what, "What suit are you wearing with this?" And I said, oh, "It's a dark one." And he said, "Black or blue?" I said, "Black." And he said, "Hmm, okay." And I was like, "Why? Why? What, what, what do you mean, man? What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, this this probably goes better with a blue suit." So. Oh boy! <laughs> no. Fast Hold on, are about... you doing a black tux ad read right now? <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward to about uh, an hour later, and I walked out of there with about a nine hundred dollars suit. Wow. <laughs> Who's living the life? Wow. I know, I know. But but I tell you, it was that. That's a lesson out there for all sales reps. Don't be pushy and don't jump the gun. Just know how to work your customer, and you'll right. get the same deal. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, this suit. I loved it, and I still have it now, and I still wear it. And I still wear that same combination, that shirt and tie combo. It's, I don't know if you guys remember. It's that sort of um, meshy tie. Like it's oh, not yeah, a yeah, 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 it's yeah, a knit yeah, tie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's tie. a knit tie. That's right. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, I went in there with a with a you know expecting to spend about a hundred, maybe hundred and fifty bucks. Ended up with nine hundred dollars in a new suit and uh, felt great. But um, great job by the sales rep there at J yeah. Crew. Yeah, and it gives you a little uh, motivation to keep that body tight, keep that body trim because you're going to want to be able to fit into that suit for a while. Still Absolutely. looks great on you. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and that's the thing. Anytime we wear it out, you want to f- make it sure that it does fit fit, uh, fit comfortably around your curves. So uh, <laughs> great. It was speaking, speaking of uh, suits, um, I am no Trey Kirby when it comes to the hashtag TBTs. Um, Trey is the king, but I've got a good one lined up for tomorrow of me <laughs> wearing an incredible suit. Okay. I, I mean, just incredible. If I remember correctly, it was a bit of a joke suit. Um, it's a high school sort of prom, <laughs> but still, it's something else. It's something else. That's all I'll say. Um, my Looking answer forward to this, that. TBTs. Yeah, TBTs <laughs> right there. Um, my answer to this is like something I sort of bought on a whim that came in handy. It's a weird answer, but a couple years ago, you know, running around, um, running through parks. Remember when we could go to parks? That was fun. Um, I saw these like people like, hitting thing off a net like this little yellow ball and they're all circled around it and they're having a blast what the hell is this thing i was like this is this looks cool this looks fun this looks like something i could do with my friends a little activity there you know there's a little competition i like that but it's not that serious i'm talking about spike ball of course (laughs) quickly picked up a spike ball set just jumped all in i was like i'm getting this who cares i'm buying it and that came in handy we i took it to um ken's wedding we obviously had like Mm. a big like cottage sort of uh weekend after the wedding a lot of spike ball was being played there. I took it to another wedding. Graydon's wedding I took it to. People are playing. It's coming very, very handy. I'm so happy with that purchase. I wish we were playing more spike ball. We obviously can't right now. Um, it's very difficult standing six feet apart to play spike ball. You can't move. Um, so that's my answer. It just uh, I saw it. I liked it. I bought it. And then everybody loved it. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, upgrade that net yet? I know it's going to be spike ball season soon, and we were having a couple of dead spots last summer. Uh, we Yeah, you're right. The net, the net was fraying. Um, no, I haven't upgraded yet. I just uh, – look, I'm going to be honest, Trey. Are we going to be playing spike ball at all this summer? I don't know. That's a great question. Might be one Maybe of the first sports summer. to come back. 
Yeah. I don't know. Is the uh, the spike ball commissioner meeting with President Trump today? All the other sports commissioners are. Hopefully, he gets in there. Hopefully. Uh, I got an answer here. A few years ago, uh, Danielle and I were going camping, but she didn't like my old tent, which I possessed, and it was perfectly fine. But she thought it was a little ratty. I guess it was fraying like your spike ball net. Uh, so we bought a new tent, new gear. Mm-hmm. I feel like Matt Austin or Graydon Goring by buying a bunch of gear I will never use again. <laughs> but also, in uh, combined with that, we bought I bought a, a headlamp. Just it, it, basically, it's a not not a real serious one, but just a sort of a, like a makeshift flashlight for your yeah. brain, for your head. You tie around. I could use a a, a quick tie, a, a meshy nitty tie, and tie that to my head. <laughs> uh, but that thing. That light, forget about the camping tent that I've never used again, unfortunately. But that light, which was just a secondary purchase, has come in so handy when we have power outages. Instead of using a flashlight, I love that little lamp. It's this just little thing that can strobe if you need to, if you want to have a party. You've definitely had (laughs) some some parties with that thing. It's got that strobe setting. But just around this this, my pitch black neighborhood of of a... a house or a neighborhood here in Atlanta that thing has come in handy it was on a whim didn't really think much of it but I love that thing I don't really love ha- having a flashlight it's too big I'd like this thing though this thing have you great. um have you tried running with it yet Tass late at night oh, interesting or morning I guess interesting no yeah. I haven't no give have it you used a quick headlight no I haven't use but it. I know people that have um I don't generally run that early in the morning or that late at night but you should here in atlanta because of course it gets stinking hot yeah um, i definitely have i have when it's pitch black but i didn't really think i needed it yeah i'm not going that fast i'm not tripping over because <laughs> you're not on anything. the trails <laughs> yeah no i'm on yeah. pavement but yeah if you're on trails yeah it's a good call absolutely it's a good call but i'm i feel i don't like wearing anything additional anything that's going to add some weight because they're going to slow me down, you know? Yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm with you on that, too. I don't even take water. I just dehydrate myself when I'm out there. Well, I'm looking Pretty forward to attending a uh, headlamp strobe dance party at Tass's house when this is all said and done. Sounds like a great time. Just one guy going crazy with a strobe light <laughs> attached to his face. Everybody else just strobing away as well. Sounds like a great time. Remember when we used to have strobe light dance parties? Oh, it was great. Uh, for me, a thing I picked up that has come in handy. I didn't buy my digital scale for food, but now that I've been watching these Bon Appetit videos, I'm measuring my beans for coffee in the morning, and that thing is coming in crazy. Uh, crazy bits of handy, is that a saying? Probably not, but I had, <laughs> I, upped the, I upped the grams in my cup this morning, so I'm feeling a little jittery, a little on edge, but I feel like that's okay. You gotta get the energy to get through the day. You wanna go with between a one to 18 and a one to 15 ratio. I'm usually in the 16, today we went closer to the 18. Ooh, wow. That's right, Liam, trying to feel jacked and juiced (laughs) for this podcast. I'm gonna have a great dump later. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully. JD's, you got anything for this one? Uh, Real quickly, my wife, Rachel, bought these collapsible laundry baskets from Costco a couple yeah. of a couple of months ago and they're useless they're completely useless they're small a and b they collapse for no reason like why do you need a collapsible uh, laundry basket there's n- Storage especially reasons yeah but there's always laundry to be put in it <laughs> yeah. i mean there's yeah. just it would never comes up so we were going to take them back but we discovered that 
And literally, we were taking them back to Costco to return them. And then we discovered that they do collapse and we use them to haul the groceries from Costco into Ooh. the car and back. Oh, that's and so that. smart. So, and, and, and they store really easily in the car. So they should just mm. remarket them as collapsible, you know, grocery haulers. And then we don't have to use bags at when we go to Publix and stuff like that. Nice. Nice. Good call. Good call. All right. Our next one here. Hey, none of that Duncan stuff, please. At the beginning of this quarantine, when the rules weren't as strict as today, I was bored out of my mind and decided to try my luck at shooting some hoops at my local basketball court. I was the only one there, so I thought it was fine with no harm doing. That is until 20 minutes later, a fellow police officer came up to me and issued me a warning that if he were to ever catch me playing basketball at that court again, I would be fined a whopping $750 to $5,000 fine. Granted, those rules are 100% understandable because of the world's current situation, so I did not argue, I respected the ref's call, and I did not get a tech. (laughs) It just blows my mind that we now live in a world where recreational basketball is now illegal for the time being. I can get charged for something I did almost every day in my life. I have now resorted to pulling a tray and busting out a good old-fashioned game of one-on-none around my building against my good friend, the mailbox. My question is, what's one thing you do almost daily and can make a case it should be illegal. One of mine is jaywalking. I can't help it. I'm just too fast for these cars. <laughs> also, asking 21 million questions to your girlfriend while trying to watch a show should be illegal. Thanks for all the laughs. That's from Mikey in Toronto, referencing there right at the end, the 21 million questions. Uh, that last email we got last week um, from Mikey's, I guess it was uh, um, his girlfriend that sent it in. Is that correct? <laughs> 100% correct. Yeah. Ashley was her name, I think. Yeah, she, yes. uh, she was scolding him for asking all those questions. They can't watch TV together because Mikey's a question asker. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's asking one here. Um, you know, what's something you do daily that could uh, you could make the case that should be illegal? I- I'll go first. I mean, I'm with him on jaywalking. Guilty as charged. Also too fast for cars. I love that reasoning. I um, do believe jaywalking is already illegal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, well, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but... I'm going to, my answer for this is it's like throwing like styrofoam egg cartons in the recycling bin. Mm. It, I, I don't, I can't help it. I know they're not recyclable, but I feel worse throwing it in the garbage. Mm. I don't, and I, I don't know which one to do. I really don't. So I usually go with the recycling and I shouldn't, it's not right. And I'm not, and like, I'm using a styrofoam egg carton as an example for other things as well that I'm sure I should not be recycling but I feel better recycling it for some weird reason than throwing it just in the trash. So that should be illegal. I got to get better at that. You got to be more stringent. It's possible to st- to recycle styrofoam though, isn't it? In I mean, some places it is, but not. it is not uh, universal here in America. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not certainly even, not, it's not in even, Atlanta. It's not even no. a, uh, statewide from county to county yeah. it changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. right, Tess. I just went on the uh, Atlanta Waste Wizard here, typed in styrofoam egg carton, <laughs> Yeah, drop that baby off for safe handling. That's you recycle it at, at specific locations. Mm. Yeah, here. yeah, that's the next level. Mm. You're right. But you're yeah, right. throw it in. Throw it in your garbage if you're at home. It says. Got to throw it in. Um, yeah, the whole throw it in a collapsible um, laundry basket in my car and drop <laughs> it off somewhere. We, we my my little street. We're in a bit of a standoff with the recycling uh, collectors at the moment because if anything is not in your bin they are simply refusing to take it. You can't pile it up. You can't put it next uh, next to your bin. They just, they're just saying no. They even issued a fine or a warning, I think, to a, a neighbor last week saying, wow. if it's not in there, yeah, if it's not in there, we're not taking it. 
and it's like i mean i sort of get it our street there's a lot of uh, recycling a lot of people just sort of dump it all out there and i guess expect the um you know the the recycling trucks to just sort it all out but they've sort of they've put up a bit of a stand so uh it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks you know Keep people are ordering oh, well people are ordering a lot of stuff you know these days they're getting extra extra boxes sent to their house so um you know it could be uh, it could come to a you know it could could boil over here we'll see what happens uh, I got a question. I'll stay. I'll stay on the streets uh, uh, along with, uh, with my man Mikey, and, and I'll, I'll keep it local here in the state of Georgia. There's a weird thing happening. You pull up to a light. You're going to turn left. Mm-hmm. It's a green light, full green. You're ready to turn left. I, from where I come from, I proceed to the middle of the intersection yes. and, and mm-hmm. hang out and wait for a yellow light or a red light. Right. That's, that's what happens in my country. But in the state of Georgia, people just hang out behind the line. They'll wait for it to turn yellow, then red, and they won't move. They won't go. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy, right? And that and that almost it feels illegal to me to go into the middle of the intersection yeah. and wait to make a turn. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe it's safer to be hanging out behind the line. It's probably safer. No one's getting, it, but it just everything slows down. That's for sure. And I feel if I feel like I'm breaking the law by making a turn on a green light. Are, I mean, are you? You're not. No. Well, the, no. The, I think the the rule is though that uh, you you really shouldn't go on that red. So if you're not, if no, no. So because if what? you're out there, if you're <laughs> if you're out in the in I the middle, only going through red lights the entire time. No, but right. if you're out in the middle, you're supposed to go while it's still yellow, right? But people always, if there's if you can't get through, then you're stuck and you have to go on the red. But they don't want you out there yeah, yeah. unless it's absolutely clear to go. I mean, that's that's. Um, I don't know how strictly that's enforced in Toronto, but but here that's that's pretty strictly sort of. Well, I mean, known as a law. I, I've I've understood that. So I think it's completely different. Actually, I feel like people are going through yellow and red lights in Atlanta like it's no big deal, and oh Atlanta God, red light is basically a yellow light. Um, yeah. I think people are hanging out in the intersection all the time. Uh, you get like three cars that go through a red light here. Yeah, or, or, or but it's it's also the opposite way. There's there's lots of people just run red lights here. Oh no yeah, doubt. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's also the safety, the safety people who are just not moving. Yeah, they, for they sure, for sure. Out at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Crazy, crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a whole show on Atlanta traffic. <laughs> and then I go recycle my boxes, but the recycling guy won't take them. <laughs> Listen, there are a lot of boxes. I, I, I do a, I go crazy making sure they are in my bin. I will fold, you, triple yeah, fold, and quadruple fold. Yeah, you fold. should. That's yeah. it. A lot of people don't break down stuff. That's oh, yeah. Maybe that's uh, what should be illegal. Issue. You got to break yeah. down your boxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because that, that, that obviously takes up more space in the bin. And then when it goes in the back of the truck, yeah. they have to crush it down anyway. Yeah, so that's laziness. But uh, It is. It's people just know. don't want to do it. I'm team yeah. recycling, guys, all the way. Same here. Oh, yeah. But then there's people who put them in their bag, but... All the recycling in these big bags that aren't supposed to be in. No, no, don't, no, no. You gotta that's keep loose. Right. It's the wild, yeah. wild west, man. Recycling. <laughs> it's crazy. It really is. Oh man. Okay. Next question. I think it's time to move on. Hey guys, <laughs> I coach women's college basketball at a D three school in Mid Missouri. A few years ago, the assistant for the men's team at my school went to recruit some players at a local high school game. He took notice of a freshman from Jeff City. He wrote down that this kid could be a good defensive piece on a solid D three roster and that they should start recruiting him. 
That player was OG Ananobi. Toronto Raptors, great. <laughs> wow. When's the time you undersold something by accident? Thanks for all the laughs during the quarantine. That's from Matt in Hillsborough, Missouri. JD, you got an answer for this? Yeah, I, uh, I run all these questions by my family because I can never think of anything. And uh, without hesitation, Lincoln said, Django Unchained. I asked you if you thought it was a good movie because he's all about Quentin Tarantino right now. He's got, he's running through yeah. the catalog. And we were sort of going, hey, this is good, this is good, this is, this is fine. And I just said, Django Unchained, uh, I saw it once after it was released on digital. I think I watched it literally in the middle of the night. And I thought it was fine. It's, it's fine, I guess. He loved it. He's just, I don't know how you could be so blasé about Django <laughs> Unchained. I'm like, okay. And I, I watched it with him. And, you know, it was better than I remembered it. So maybe he's right. Never seen it. Yeah, it's a good movie. I remember good. really yeah. liking it too, but I also only saw it once and have seen many Tarantino movies quite a few times. So I would have probably given the same review. Like, yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. I just never went back to it, but I guess it's different. Yeah, he loved it. I'll um, I'll stick in the media world then. I think um, I think I undersold maybe how great Survivor was to um, <laughs> to well Lee we know for sure, but maybe even Tass. You know, I've known Tass a lot longer, and I've been watching Survivor you know for that entire time, and I I don't think I did a good enough job of just letting you know how great it was. <laughs> Should have got you in way earlier, mm. so I regret that and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I'm going to sell you on the American, the American race, the Amazing Race being mm. good, because okay. I watched it a long okay. time ago, and I stopped watching it. Maybe I undersold it to myself. Yeah, I think so. Because, <laughs> listen, we might be here quarantining for a long time. I know Survivor's only got about what five weeks left. The Amazing Race is starting. I think the day Survivor ends. Yeah, that's no, usually how no it goes. No way I'm doing yeah. an Amazing. Come on, race let's podcast. do it. The Amazing uh, Race podcast. Yeah, Tass, I'll do it with you. Oh, I'm in too. I, I watched it back in the day. I, I don't mind it. The just the one fantasy or reality show that I will not watch under any circumstances is The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Under mm. there's no way. At all, I will watch that. Even if there's not a single other thing on TV, I, I don't know, Lee. That. They've got a new season where they're all musicians <laughs> yeah. playing songs oh, now. Oh God! Oh, they know how to. They know how to bring me in, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> is um is the Bachelor is the Bachelor series a Mark Burnett production as well? No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> not a I Burnett think- joint. No, well, I think Amazing Race is, though, isn't it? Jay? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I okay. think what's yeah. difficult, if you were to do a podcast about The Amazing Race, I'm sure there are tons out there. I'm sure they're great. But, like, I don't really understand what you would talk about outside of, like, I like, you know, I like or dislike yeah. these couples or, wow, that was a cool challenge. Because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, is there a ton of strategy involved yes. in The Amazing Race? Yeah, because what? you can block people. You okay. can come across a, a, a roadblock, I guess, and... I mean, I haven't watched it in years. I've never, you know but. what? It's always pissed me off about the Amazing Race. Is like, there should be teams that are like three countries behind and stuff like that. Mm. Like, it's not really like that, right? There's okay. always, there always, there is always the equivalent of the puzzle on Survivor. Yeah. There's always yeah. the equalizer, exactly. right? A challenge yeah. where everybody catches up to one another. Yeah, which you know is is fine, I guess. I, hey, we talked about horse for 40 minutes the yeah. other night. I think <laughs> we could probably talk about Yeah, we're going to do it again. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and JD, right, JD, you were, we uh, could do it. You were right. We found out it's a two-hour uh, semifinals, finals 
um, finale of NBA horse on Thursday night. Yeah. It was uh, one of the times I wish I was totally <laughs> off base and wrong, but yeah. <laughs> unfortunately not. And we're going to be doing ads. a podcast right after. That's right. That's right. Any other answers to this one, guys? When's the time you undersold something by accident? Uh, I undersold. I love the wire front to back. This is similar to you, Skeets, and you love the Survivor Series front to back. I've also uh, subscribed to the theory that season one is slow, but I've started watching it again. I undersold it along mm. with everybody else. It's not slow. It's season great. one of The Wire? Yeah. Oh, yeah. People say it starts slow in general. I mean, I, I didn't think so, but... Yeah, I'm watching back. I, I think I did. I, 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 really, it's just setting up every single different setting, and it's awesome. Yeah. That's like so many HBO shows. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it really is because they set it up. They set up the world, and there's it's they're they're not rushing right into it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I remember definitely thinking at the time it was. Yeah, it's not. It's just good from the get go. <laughs> are you a are you a fan of season two down by the docks? Oh, down by the docks, down by the bay. Um, it it is a it's disappointing in comparison to season one. Mm. You know the characters and the the settings just. They're not as compelling. Uh, it's it, the first. The first season is so much more multi-layered, mm-hmm. right? Mm, but I, I don't dislike season two. Season five is definitely the uh, the worst Least one. Favorite, yeah. That's yeah. Most people agree with that. Next one. Hey, no dunks, crew. If the worst case scenario happens and the NBA season is canceled, which teams are more emboldened to run it back next season? Do the Sixers run it back with Embiid and Simmons, having not seen how they played in the playoffs? Do the Rockets start next season with no center again? What do you think? Thanks. That's from Jason in Lowell, Massachusetts. I can start us off because we were just talking about horse. Uh, After watching Chris Paul look so agile, shooting elbow jumpers against Ali Quigley this Sunday, I think the uh, this past Sunday, I think OKC should run it back one more time. Chris Paul looks great. He looks spry for a mid thirty year old. Uh, and and horse just proved it to me. But you're I, still I do... rolling with Chris Paul after another first round loss. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's 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 a veganite. He's feeling healthy, and those knees look good. And uh, I wanted, I thought they were going to break it up before the season started. But um, yeah, I, I, I I've become a fan. I want to see them in the playoffs, and. Uh, I, I kind of want to see Chris Paul run a show for the first time in a long time. Mm. It, it feels like, like it wasn't really his Clippers team. It was his Clippers team. It obviously wasn't his Rockets team. Uh, I kind of want to see him and what he can do for at least one series. Yeah, I think the I think the non meats, you non meat eaters, maybe <laughs> maybe you uh, maybe you can be like Chris Paul. I think the non meats have have propelled him to a new level. He's at new heights right now. He certainly he certainly looked fresh out there this season, no no doubt about it, and, and avoided all the groin and hamstring injuries that tend to pop up throughout his career. So uh, that that was great, and it is disappointing that we won't get a chance to see just if the Thunder would have just you know gone out in the first round this season, or if they co- could have caused an upset. So that's a bit of a bummer. But I, I think the Rockets don't really have much choice at this point. Um, you know, with the, with Harden and Westbrook, they may as well keep going with it. They had some success. I think ultimately they'll they'll uh, not be able to win a championship with it. But, I mean, they've tried Dwight Howard with James Harden. That didn't work. They've tried Chris Paul with James Harden. That didn't work. And now they've got Westbrook, who was also in a bit of a similar position as Harden, as that they you know were a good regular season team that couldn't uh, go on in the playoffs and have the success. So 
it's like what at this point is is Daryl Morey and the Rockets going to do? They've they've both got enormous contracts as well, so it's kind of hard to uh, to move does on from this, those. So. Does this save uh, Mike D'Antoni's job with the Rockets? I don't think so, to be honest, um, because he is out of contract anyway at the end of this season, mm-hmm. and I think I think the Rockets now are probably just going to run out the clock with him and, and try someone different because I don't think they want to sign him to a multi-year deal like a three or four-year deal, which I think he would ask for. Uh, so I, I think uh, his time in Houston is probably done. But uh, who knows? It's a crazy uh, things are crazy right now. Maybe the Rockets decide to just give him that one year deal that they the the extension that they offered him. Maybe that'll be enough for D'Antoni. But I think uh, I think they want to move on from him though. That's a really good question because D'Antoni obviously is a well established coach who has been around a long time, who has had a lot of success, which means you're paying a lot of money. And we've seen a lot of things coming out of uh, Tillman Fertitta's uh, camp about yeah. money-saving matters, right? So if uh, a big contract is running out at the end of the season, perhaps Houston looks for something a little cheaper on their sidelines. I think yeah. the Pacers are another team that could run things back because coming into the year it was kind of like, how are Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis going to be able to fit together? But they figured it out, and they had quite the successful season with Victor Oladipo missing most of the year. Then he came back and... Hadn't really rounded into form, but you see the outlines of a team that could be at least a conference finals challenging kind of team, I think, if Oladipo's able to get back to the status he was before. I think um, Sabonis' leap as a playmaker and his chemistry with Malcolm Brogdon, if he's able to retain that chemistry with Victor Oladipo, is just an encouraging season for the Pacers coming into a year where there were hardly any expectations. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question from Jason because... Yeah, you usually do need um, like a playoff series to see, you know, the cracks in your team to see what's not ever going to work, maybe to then move on from a particular piece or particular strategy or philosophy. And if we don't have that, then, yeah, it feels like more teams would just be more in the camp of like, well, we don't really know, Um, like in the Sixers, you know, using them as an example, it's like, well, maybe this could still work in Ben Simmons and they're just sort of forced in a way to to run it back. I think that could be the case with a lot of these teams if there is no regular season or playoffs and and we're thinking there may not be. So, yeah, it's a fascinating thought experiment. Um, Just whether it means means there will be less movement um, in whatever, whenever we get to the actual offseason in terms of moving bigger names. We'll see. Next one here. What up, two morning dunks? A very nice old lady just moved out of the apartment across the hall from me. She asked if I would like an air mattress that she no longer needs and that had only been slept on once. In this climate, you crazy bro. He's (laughs) accepted. And when he went over to pick it up, she let him know that she got it from the Hamaka Schlemmer catalog. I can't say it. Skeets, you catalog. There we go. The only reason I know the Hamaka Schlemmer catalog is from listening to you guys talk about the Hamaka Schlemmer catalog. And the reason I'm writing Hamaka Schlemmer catalog so much in this email about the Hamaka Schlemmer catalog is so that I can hear Skeet say Hamaka Schlemmer catalog. Uh, anyways, my question is what was a time that an obscure random bit of knowledge you had came in handy? That's from Matt in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, I'll go first with this one. I've got two answers actually. Um, one, uh, JD, I can't remember if you were there. Trey, I can't remember if you were there either. I'm sort of thinking you weren't that particular night, but this one we would go out, we would do trivia sometimes as a group. Um, there was one particular night. I'm, I'm just, you know, look, I'm not contributing that much. There's a lot. You guys are a lot smarter. You guys know a lot more. Jeez, my wife knows way more than I do about random trivia for sure. Um, but there was one night where I came through in the clutch. One of the questions was, uh, 
can you name the eight characters in the original Super Smash Brothers? <laughs> and it's like, I somehow had that filed way back uh, somewhere in my brain. And uh, I don't think I hit eight for eight on that, if I remember correctly. I know Jared was there that night, but we did like a good six or seven and really made up some points in that trivia battle. I think we uh, finished top three that night. I think we got some sort of gift certificate. Got some drinks on the house. Yeah, that's... Dude, um, you got to come through in the bonus rounds. Got yeah. yeah. I had the, exactly right. the exact same answer for the same trivia, but but it was a bonus question, but the same trivia night, but not that night. It was mm-hmm. the Rocky Horror Picture cast. And we had oh, to come up yeah. with like eight or nine of the cast, and I was just able to just rattle them off, man. <laughs> I didn't even know it was in there, but there it was. <laughs> The, the other um, story I, I've definitely shared before on the podcast is uh, when I was, I, I must have been, I don't know, 12, 11 or something like that. Uh, my dad was listening to CJCS, so he was listening to the radio station in Stratford, and they had like a, they had a little trivia question, and it was for, uh, if you got it right, if you called in and you answered correctly, you won an entire box of upper deck basketball cards. Um, excuse me, baseball wow. cards. Excuse me, baseball Ooh. cards. Yeah. And... I knew the question. I it, I think, I mean, I, my memory serves me that it was, it was a Blue Jays trivia question. And I think it was like, which Blue Jay uh, hit a home run on the first pitch he saw in the big leagues or something like that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the question. I know it was uh, Blue Jays related. And it was, you know, if it was that one, it was Junior Felix. And I'm like, dad, it's Junior Felix. Call. And he's like, all right, <laughs> I'll call. And sure enough, I got it. And I, I mean, to be a kid and get an up a whole box of upper deck baseball cards. I mean, that was well, Lee. You know, I mean, you oh, do it every yeah. week. It's, oh. it's heaven, man. It's just heaven. It is. It so is. I just just knew that as a as a young. <laughs> well, that that's that's kind of my answer actually. There, whenever we do cards, you know, I have got little uh, tidbits of information about various players who might have done something once, like Liddell Eccles, who had a, a, a almost career high one night. Um, because I saw that game back in 1990 or something like that on the ABC. But I think my favorite little bit of random trivia from cards is, um, you know, with Minute Bowl, he's the only player in NBA history to block more shots and score points. I just, I just love that. That's the one that I really, really, uh, <laughs> that I really like. So, uh, you know, that's always fun to have something like that where people go, oh, okay. Nice. They sometimes believe you, sometimes they don't, but who cares? Got to fact check you all the time. Yeah. Pass, yeah. <laughs> you got an answer this? And we're opening a pack of cards Thursday, right? Tomorrow. That's week. right, Tassie. That's right. You and me. You ready? You feeling good? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that Liddell Eccles stat there. <laughs> Bring I'm your have... sunglasses. <laughs> yes. Oh, I might be indoors. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> my answer is uh, wiping a baby girl front to back comes in handy every day. <laughs> don't go. Don't go back to front. <laughs> All right. We uh, we got a lot more questions to get to here, but first, a word from our sponsors. Okay, I have a question for you guys. Was Men in Black a good movie? I'm An absolute um, smash. Uh, I'm still not 100% sure. I think it was, but Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, they looked sharp because they probably went to the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day or weird alien movie. The Black Tux was started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine. And they aren't alone in this frustration. Peep these one-star reviews from competitor tuck shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. 
Moments that should be hilarious muster only a chuckle, and action scenes that should tingle, like the final showdown with the unmasked giant roach, are just not that exciting. That was the that was yeah. black. Never mind. Uh, what I love about the black tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the black tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. That's obviously down the line from now. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, right reasons, right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code DUNKS. That's theblacktux.com, code DUNKS, for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux. Protecting the earth from the scum of the universe. Whoops. The Black Tux. Formal wear for the moment. G'day, Cobbers. As a foreigner to this country, the question I get asked often is, why don't you grow your hair out, bro? Actually, that's only one guy on Instagram, but a question I do get asked a lot is, what do I miss the most about Australia? You guys know the answer by now. It's the three Fs. Family, friends, and food. Not much I can do about the first two other than via Messenger or FaceTime. But as for the third category, food, well, thanks to the Australian Bakery Cafe here in Marietta Square, right here in Atlanta, I can dine on some of the finest cuisine from my country of birth anytime I want. From authentic meat pies and sausage rolls to delightful and delicious lamingtons and vanilla slices, the Australian Bakery Cafe will answer any culinary inquiries you might have about the land down under. All the tucker is super bonza, mate. Guys, when we met before the start of the season at my place to talk about the show, I treated you all to one of those meat pies, and I tell you, there was barely a pastry crumb left over on your plates. But where were the Lamingtons? Ah, yes, the Lamingtons (laughs) didn't make it on that trip, but they will be there the next time, I guarantee. (laughs) The bakery also stocks traditional Australian, South African, and British treats such as Vegemite, Beef Biltong, and our producer JD's favourite, PG Tips Tea. Oh, yeah. Right now, due to the coronavirus, the bakery is only open for carry-out or online orders. But if you spend over 100 bucks on food, delivery is only 10 bucks. So as Modelly Meldrum would say, do yourself a favour and go to the AustralianBakeryCafe.com and place your order today and enjoy a fair dinkum Aussie serve-up from Never the Crew at the Australian Bakery Cafe. Hello, no Dunkin' Dogs. I'm a 10-year-old, almost 11, May 9th. Happy birthday in advance. Hooper from Ottawa, Canada. I want to be your agent, and I want to get you guys your own sneaker deals. Let me know what brand, color, style, profile, custom logo, and special features you want on your shoes, and what would you call your signature shoes? That is from Loic. Trey, what do you got? Well, Loic sounds like a well-connected man. Going to get us in the room with all these sneaker companies. Personally, it's checks over stripes on this side. So my shoe will be the Nike Air Trayball. I don't really <laughs> shoot three-pointers, but it's a great name. They'll be orange and pink tie-dye. Gotta have a good ankle support. We're introducing a new Nike Air technology. It's the Air Bag of Beans, which is little teeny tiny <laughs> air pockets in the shape of beans. There'll also be a little pocket on the tongue. You can open it up. And there's a hot dog printed inside because you always got to have your pocket dog on you. The logo will probably be some sort of silhouette of my uh, beautiful flowing beard and hair. 
<laughs> I mean, we're only going to sell tray shoes, in my opinion. Yes. These are going to these are going to be hot commodities. I don't have an answer for this. I, I want a pair of tray sh- bag of bean shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't come in a box either. They come in a bag. Mm. Oh, mm. oh, you got to like yeah, like covered in beans, and you. Pull oh yeah, them exactly out? right. Oh, that's yes. good. Oh, Air beans, fresh from Nike. Okay, sorry, the, the shoe just changed names. Yeah, <laughs> they're called beans better. now. Yeah, that's way better. Air beans, fresh from Nike. That's brilliant. Yeah, we can just skip the rest of us. Next one here. <laughs> Greetings once again, horsers. Your <laughs> weekly TBT Instagram live sessions have taken me back to my days as a youth when I collected countless packs of NBA cards. Who is a player that you never knew of and loved, even though the only reason you had ever heard of him was a basketball card? For me, Walt Williams. An olden Polynes. That's from Storm <laughs> Bennett. What a name, Storm Bennett. Yeah, we've had an email from him before. I love that name. Um, it's a good question. I actually, it took me a while to come up with somebody. It's a difficult question, but I ultimately decided on Scott Skiles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember the card. It's like because you see a Scott Skiles on a basketball card, and you're like, "What? How's that guy in the NBA? That guy does not really look like he." Uh, is a professional basketball player. and But then, you know, you start reading the back of the cards. You're trying to get all that information. You're trying to absorb that as a young kid. And uh, you're like, wow, what? This guy set the single game record for most assists? This guy had 30 assists in a game in 1990? How is that possible? Um, so I'll go Scott Skiles as my answer. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a good answer, actually, Scott Skiles, because he doesn't look like uh, your classic NBA player. It's it's no. like the same for me when you see like a Brad Davis for the Mavs, you know, like this guy in the short shorts with moustache and a hair. He looks like an accountant who's actually just an awesome <laughs> baller. Yeah, you know, it's 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 crazy when you see, and he's had his number retired, I think, by the Mavs too, which is which is crazy. But uh, I think the funniest one is still Mike Isolino, who no one has ever heard of, um, <laughs> and Brent Barry made Kevin McHale actually say his name on a broadcast at summer league one time. And, uh, and even Kevin McHale sort of had no idea who this guy was. You know, like former NBA players tend to at least have heard of guys who played in the league around the same time, but uh, not with Mikey Isolino. So uh, he's got a, he's got a, he's earned himself a little bit of a special place now in the card opening. Yeah, I would add uh, Chris Corciani to that list as well. Just from cards that we've been opening up recently, we've gotten a lot of Corcianis. Don't know anything about him, but his name is incredibly fun to say. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Corciani comes with a little finger kiss, of course. Yes. Uh, for me, though, it was Steve Kerr because his name is basically my dad's name, and they both had that like very weird feathered haircut yeah. in the early 90s where – you know, men were really going for volume back then. <laughs> so my mom thought Steve Kerr was a cutie, thought Steve Kirby was a cutie. Of course I collected him. Eventually he became a Chicago Bull and then very nice to us anytime we needed to do something with him on the television. Well, definitely a lot of 90s players, <clears throat> excuse me, since we started opening 90s basketball cards. But I went to when I was a kid with this one, and I never collected basketball cards when I was a youngster. It just wasn't a big thing and. Canada number one. I don't know if you collected them, Skeets. No, no, you're right. I was more into baseball and hockey cards. They just weren't. Yeah, they weren't as uh, they weren't around as much, and they weren't no. as big a deal. Yeah, up in Canada. nobody nobody tended to care all that much about basketball yeah. cards. So I'm going to stick with hockey, and because I mentioned Lanny McDonald last week, I'm going to mention him again. <laughs> He's a little bit uh, too old. Played played a little bit before I I came along as a as a young hockey player. He did win the cup with the Flames in '89. When I was, I became a really, really big hockey fan. But he was a bit player by then. He was old, and you mentioned Brad Davis with the stash, Landy McDonald's stash, 
was uh, flowing. In, wow, uh, yeah. It's huge. He's got this is worth statue. a Google. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It's one of the greatest mustaches <laughs> in sports history. Yeah. yeah. It's right up and there with yeah. Rolly Fingers. Yeah, Rolly Fingers for sure. Rally he reminded Rally. me of roll, roll those fingers, <laughs> Rolly. Uh, yeah, he, Landon McDonald reminded me when we were doing Air Butt, when we were reviewing Air Butt, <laughs> of the, uh, the old truck driver, the clown. Um, yeah. His na- whatever his name is, yeah. <laughs> Landon McDonald shout outs. I'm going to go up to my card collection. Dig into Lanny. Pull right it now. out. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, if we're going one. to other sports, I got to say Eric Davis for me was a guy who I was like, Eric Davis of the Cincinnati Reds must be the best baseball player in the league because he was included in this like a <laughs> like a 1991 set. They had him as a rifleman and as like a power blaster, which yeah. meant he had a cannon arm and was hitting home runs. I don't remember ever really seeing Eric D- Davis play, but I just assumed he was awesome. Yeah. I don't know exactly. Yeah, I was, can picture the card too, even oh, the one yeah. I had in the set. Yeah. yeah, he was good, right? I think so. <laughs> I think he was. <laughs> yeah, probably. All right, let's keep it going here. Next one, morning, gentlemen. First off, thanks for continuing the podcast and giving me something to listen to on my commute to and from work throughout this craziness. On the last beach step, in somebody alluded to Admiral Bill McRaven's famous speech about making your bed every day in order to always start your day with an accomplishment. In that same speech, the Admiral talks about his SEAL training and having to overcome so many obstacles and failures in order to eventually persevere. My question, what is a time that you encountered many failures while trying to accomplish something, but you didn't quit on it and you eventually were able to persevere? Throwing down that first dunk, getting a podcast up and running, maybe someone just had a hard time passing their driver's test when they were a timid <laughs> that's from sean a member of the royal canadian navy shout out to hey. sean hmm. yeah lee what do you got yeah i mean for me it's body surfing you know catching a wave <laughs> right without yep. using a boogie board because i'd heard that people were able to do it but i'd never seen anyone do it and then i was in barbados with a couple of friends trigger and big matt and we're just out in the surf splashing around right now the water is as gorgeous as you imagine it to be and then Big Matt, who's a big guy, said, right, I'm going to go Wait, catch what? a few waves. Yeah, he's a big guy. Not just a clever name. No. And he went out there and I was like, there's no way this is going to work. He was like a dolphin in those waves. He was just <laughs> gliding along the entire, like he was going right up to the uh, to the shore. And I was like, yeah. How, how's, what, what's going on? Now, he grew up in Queensland right on the beach. So he was in the beach every day as a kid. So I said, how do you do that? You've got to teach me. I can't believe I can't do this. And so he said, well, you just got to, you know, catch a wave at the right point, jump here and bang, you're away. I tried a couple of times and sunk like a stone, but I stuck at it because you're in Barbados. I mean, the water's just perfect. And eventually I was like him, just cruising along as if we had imaginary boogie boards underneath it. It was beautiful. It was so so much fun. What was the secret? Like you've got to just catch the wave just as it's breaking, just as it's breaking. If you wait too long and the wave's broken then you can't catch it and if you go too early you'll just sort of like ride the wave up and then go down you won't be able right. to actually ride right. it just so timing timing yeah yeah it is timing but up. um yeah. oh my god it was so much fun it was so much fun because i honestly thought like i just can't do it but 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 seeing him just doing it so easily and effortlessly i was like i've got to be able to do it and uh awesome fun such a rewarding experience how was trigger do you have any oh, game yeah. out there in the yeah. surf trigger wasn't too bad as well yeah we were both learning from uh from big matt so uh you know it was fun it was just three dudes just out in the water riding some waves together <laughs> splashing around reading some emails yeah that's all we were doing but do you prefer to be on a boogie board now or do you prefer um, the straight up naked surfing 
I, I mean, I, I find that the boogie board is almost like cheating a little bit. It's it's easier. It's mm. still easier. Uh, I find it more fun when you do it by yourself because I think you just you know you are you are actually accomplishing something. But the boogie board <laughs> definitely can take you further. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but uh, but you know, it's like I, I Admiral used... Bill McRaven says: the first thing you should do when you wake up is hit the waves <laughs> and have a, <laughs> have a naked body surf, so you can really feel like you accomplished something. But it, it, it is at a wild feeling when you do catch it by yourself. It's like wow, this is awesome. This is incredibly awesome. So I, I will say I do prefer it without the boogie board. Okay. Actually, you mentioned Admiral Bill McRaven there, Trey. I do feel bad because it was me last week who who said you start your day by by fixing your bed. And I didn't attribute that to Admiral Bill McRaven. I heard it from Tim Ferriss. And uh, so I feel feel dirty. Admiral McRaven, I salute you. And your advice for making my bed every day really helps me out every single day. Yeah, I was... uh... I was racking my brain trying to figure out who had who had dropped this in the last <laughs> yeah. or last episode. Yeah, because uh, we were talking <laughs> about uh, Trey was talking about uh, his um, hygiene routine, and mm-hmm. and I I just suggested putting on pants. It's helped me actually feel right. like I'm doing something during mm-hmm. this quarantine. Yeah, just it's it's and it's akin to making your bed where you feel like you accomplished something and did something. Start you can your day. St- yep. Yep. start your day. Right. So th- thanks, Bill McRaven. For me, it was uh, the math minute in fourth grade. It was, you know, 60 multiplication questions that you had to finish in 60 seconds. And I can specifically remember one day I thought I was doing it. I was blazing through, got through 59 of them, and the buzzer hits. And I was just bawling in tears as a fourth grader because I was struggling, boys. With six times eight and eight times six. How in the world does it equal 48? How do they both equal 48? It doesn't make any sense to me to this very day. But, you know, eventually I did figure it out, was able to master the math minute, and I got a good feeling I could probably complete one now. Let's see it. All right, I'll do an Instagram Live later of filling out a math minute here. Um, Hit me with the multiplication question. Right now? Yeah. Like, okay, 17 times three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 51. Hey man. Hey. Wait, yes, so my test. He's got 51. 51. All right, give me another one. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, classic. Uh, eight times twelve. Ninety-six. Yes. Is that right? <laughs> yep, that's right. Hey, hey, hey. You got it, baby. You In your face, it. Mr. Toms. All right, next one here. Next one. Hey, no dinkers and dumpers. I'm from Sheffield in England, and after hearing my hometown get an unlikely shout-out on the pod a few weeks ago during Lee's explanation of the fabled game of snooker, or Lee, how do I pronounce it? Snooker. Right. I felt compelled to write in. I used to work in a coffee shop right around the corner from the Crucible, the theater where the snooker world championships (laughs) are held. And during the two weeks that the competition was running the shop, it was filled with snooker legends such as Mark <laughs> the Jester from Leicester Selby. No, no, from no. Mark the Jester from Leicester. Leicester yeah. yeah the je- oh, that, that makes <laughs> more sense. Yeah, that is a Jester weird one. I'll, I'll give you credit. That <laughs> one is a weird one. There should not be an I in that Leicester. Yeah, that one is well, strange. they won. They 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 won the the EPL the other year, right? That's right. Yes, yes, yeah, Leicester yeah, City. Yeah. Leicester City. I always yeah. want to say Leicester. Anyways, Judd the Ace in the Pack, Trump. Ronnie the Rocket O'Sullivan, and of course the aforementioned Steve the Nugget Davis. Yeah, the Nugget! Nugs! <laughs> Big Nug fan. 
every time one of those players came into the shop, everyone, staff and other customers included, would lose their minds. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. uh, the Jester's me. here! <laughs> Is that the rocket? Oh my god, that's the rocket! Uh, but for me, not being a fan of Snook, I, I couldn't care less. It reminded me of a time when my friends and I unexpectedly saw Chris Bosch walking around at Glastonbury Festival. I lost my proverbial sh**. But my friends, non-NBA fans, didn't bat an eyelid. So my question, has there ever been a time when you've ran into someone famous, NBA-related or not, and everyone around you was pumped, but you just weren't bothered? Or, on the other hand, has there ever been a time when you met somebody famous and been buzzing, and been absolutely buzzing, but those you were with simply didn't care? That's from Jim in Sheffield. Mm. I saw Usher once here in Atlanta, and... That was cool. I just I was like, all right, that's Usher. That's neat. Wow, he's a lot smaller than I thought. But I didn't care. I like I didn't care to go up to him. I didn't care to like wander around and people were going mental. And I get it. Usher, big name, big celebrity. You know, you're not you don't think you're going to see him at, you know, your local <laughs> ice cream spot, but it was like it was just I I find it weird in general sort of uh, you know, the fawning over celebrities, but people were going crazy. Like they were you know, obviously trying to get videos and pics and like you could see people calling other people like Usher's here, Usher's here. Tell me, I was like, okay, there he is. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, uh, last year in London, uh, we took the kids to a little playground just around the corner from where we were staying at my sister-in-law's house. And, you know, it was a regulation sort of playground. There's kids everywhere. It was a beautiful day. It was in June. And I'm walking around and uh, another friend who was there with us said, uh, oh my God, pink's over there. And I was like, where, where, where? And, and she was pointing in the direction. And I was like, I can't see it. And then like, you know, because there's equipment, she, the person she was pointing at sort of walked off. And I went around and I could not see her anywhere. But my friend was like, <laughs> it's definitely pink. because She was playing at Wembley like that night or the night after or something like that. And I was like, all right, I've got to at least see her in person to see if this is pink. <laughs> she was like a ghost. I was every time I sort of looked for her, she was not there. But I, I saw her husband. I recognized her husband. I saw him. So it was legit. They were definitely there. You know Pink's husband? Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, I, who the hell I, is Pink's husband? No, because I because I googled her. Gray, to see what she, purple, brown. No, nah, no. He's got. He had sort of long hair, I think. Uh, and so uh, oh. I, I googled her. A dead giveaway. Yeah, I googled her to see what she, how she was looking these days to see if like on her latest Instagram post what she'd be looking like, and I couldn't see her, but I saw a, a photo of her husband, and he was right there. But I was kind of like, get out of here, husband. I don't want to see you. I want to see Pink. But I couldn't see her. I couldn't. Maybe was she crazy. was. Uh, was she not dangling from the swing set? Like, high up, all roped up. No. So yeah, I, I was sort of, I was sort of freaking out because I couldn't see her, even though I knew for sure she was there. So it was, it was crazy. I mean, I wasn't going to do anything. I just wanted to see her, just to validate that it was there and it was her. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, first celebrity I ever saw was uh, the rapper Project Pat, and this was very soon after Chicken Heads had came out. Uh, and he was just sitting outside of a diner in Los Angeles, but I was on vacation with my mom and sister, so I was not really going to be like, oh, you guys are going to, you guys didn't notice Project Pat out there? Don't you love chicken heads? Uh, so yeah, uh, Project Pat was it for me, because you know, I don't know, I was excited to actually see a celebrity out in the wild. They're just like us. They eat dinners and lunches <laughs> as well, but uh, Project Pat, maybe not the biggest pitch you can make to your mom and sis. <laughs> For me, it was uh, it was this was such a uh, almost 
twice removed from a celebrity. I was at a birthday party in 2014, and I met the wife of Jason Carter, who was the <laughs> Democratic uh, nominee for governor uh, for the election that year. His wife. I didn't meet Jason Carter. I met his <laughs> wife, and I can't even remember her name. Uh, but Jason Carter is the grandson of Jimmy Carter. And I went insane, like <laughs> totally fangirled out. I was uh, I was all over her. I was asking her a million questions just about what's what's Thanksgiving like. I mean, have you been over to his house? And she's like, yeah, he's my uh, he's my husband's uh, grandfather. And and I was just like I was on cloud nine. And then I walked the the, the it ended. And then I was just I just I just met Jason Carter's wife, Jimmy Carter, and nobody cared. Nobody gave a <laughs> shit. I was like, he's the president of the United States. He won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2002. I've read like three of his books. It's it's Jimmy Carter, and nobody cared. And I just couldn't understand it. I was like, the Uber driver taking us home. Yes, I was a little bit drunk, and I was like, we just met Jimmy Carter's grandson's wife. It's crazy. Did you ask? Uh, did you ask more questions to her, or uh, or about the lady about the anal bleaching? That time? <laughs> I was I was all uh, way more questions for Jason Carter's wife. Wow. Tass, do you have one? You, you guys are reminding me of so many stories with these celebrities out in the wild that I didn't really care about. I'll save those. I'll I'll, I'll mention the one I did care about. We were walking the streets of New Orleans, and it was 2014, mm. just like uh, just like JD. We're at All Star Weekend. It's a very barren street. Didn't expect anybody on the street. Didn't expect to run into anybody. But who did we run into? Jorge Garbajosa. <laughs> One-time Raptor. He played 74 games in the NBA. And uh, he's now bringing the Spanish national team back to its glory days. All those, all the Spanish basketball teams. Uh, I was walking by him. I was the only one who was excited, obviously. And I was going to walk by him. I wasn't going to bother him. Um, just like Wesley Matthews back in the day, I don't like bothering people all that much. But actually, Skeets uh, suggested go say hi to him. So I went in and took a photo with him. He was surprised somebody wanted to take a photo with him. Yeah. And obviously, no one else wanted to take a photo with him that that uh, was with me. But I was very happy to meet Jorge. It was great. He's a great. It's a great dude. pick too. It's a fun mm-hmm. pick for you too. Yeah, all my right. hair looks. My hair looks really good in it. <laughs> <laughs> Next Couple to Jorge, more. of course. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no dunkers. I'm a teacher who all of a sudden has a hell of a lot of time on his hands. With no basketball, I found myself dipping my toe back into professional wrestling. We know that the NBA title belt is always switching hands when a team beats the champions from the season before, but what about all those other titles? Could the cruiserweight title be given to the best Smalley at any given time? How about the TV <laughs> title going to the player that only shows up for nationally televised games? And don't get me started on the hardcore title. So, if the NBA adopted WWE titles, who do you guys have as the top contenders? Keep turning out them pods. Your fellow compost king, that's from Sam in Florida. Trey, we thought this would be a great one for you to take us through, you know, uh, giving some NBA contenders to some of the WWE titles. Who'd you come up with? Well, I actually think that this is a great idea from... Compost King Sam, because this could revolutionize the way that the NBA is played. Just like in wrestling, every team is able to win every single title, theoretically. But here's how it'll play out. We'll play the regular season, then when we get to the playoffs, it's belt time. The top three teams in both conferences are going 
to play each other for the heavyweight title. That's the big strap. That's the biggest thing. You're the best teams in the league. You're playing for the real championship. Okay. The next five in both conferences are playing for the Intercontinental title. Sometimes the Intercontinental title's even cooler than the heavyweight title, but you're maybe not quite at the status of the true contenders. But if you win the Intercontinental title, you're getting in the mix for the heavyweight title come next pay-per-view, next season, I suppose we're, we're calling it. So that's the top eight teams. Those are your playoff teams basically going for the heavyweight and Intercontinental title. Here's where it gets fun. The next five teams in the standings, they're playing for the hardcore title, but here's the difference. There are no three-pointers in the hardcore title. There are no foul-outs, and there are no free-throws. You're earning every point. You got to score baskets. People are falling down. People are getting hurt. It's just like a hardcore wrestling match, but it's basketball. Our final belt is for the bottom two teams in each conference. They're playing for the cruiserweight title, and their stipulation is that none of their players can be over six foot five. It's got to be all smallies. We want some highlights. We want people flying up and down the court, but we do got to have a tag team belt, so any relatives in the league are able to play a two-on-two team against any other relatives in the league. It could be brothers. You know, we could obviously have a Plumlee versus Zeller blood match. Uh, surely a trilogy exists in there, or it could even be cousins. Maybe like Vince Carter decides to bring Tracy McGrady out of retirement. And we have a huge pop and people are going crazy when Tracy's music hits and they're throwing down against the Lopez bros. Could be fun. Great. Great answers. That's what we were looking for there. Love the mm. idea. Love the idea of playing for an intercontinental title in the <laughs> NBA somehow. Cause you're right. Sometimes it was cooler. You know, you knew it wasn't the King title, but you know, some, it depended who had it, but you were like, that's pretty badass. It looked oh, cool yeah. too. Yeah, it looked really cool, and I don't know. It was like basically a way of making your bones. If you've got that intercontinental title, you seem cool. Like The Rock had it. Shawn Michaels had it. Razor Ramon had it. We've had some classic matches for the intercontinental title. Back in the day, I used to think it was better to win that title. I mean, obviously, you're not the number one guy, but you've got the indie respect. Yeah, you know, a big part of that, too, was especially back then it was like you could only have the heavyweight title if you were a giant yep. right if you were just you had the huge uh, you know, 24 inch pythons or you were Andre the Giant or whatever it was like if you were sort of i don't know like like a macho man size or Ricky the Dragon Steamboat size or something it's like well you're a great wrestler but we can't we can't put you up to that perch cuz you're just not a giant uh, you know among men but that's obviously changed sort of now but that's why it was sort of cool the intercontinental is like these sort of smaller more athletic guys that were still badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, I mean, I remember being a fan of that too. Final email here. What it do, baby? I've been thinking about how much I miss basketball and realize that one thing I don't miss is the phrase from three-point land. Ugh. Even writing it in this email makes me mad. It's contrived and annoying. What is a common NBA announcer phrase or trope you can't stand or what don't you miss about the NBA season? Thanks for all the laughs. I work on a team trying to end homelessness here in L.A., and the last month has been an especially tough one, so I feel blessed to essentially have a daily dose of the Blank Jones to help keep me smiling. Take good care, and I hope I'll get to run into Matty O out here in the wild. <laughs> Your humble sauce man, Primo. <laughs> primo in L.A. Is that Primo Brezich? Primo, primo Pass and Sauce. Primo, thank you for your, uh, your work helping to end homelessness in L.A. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, I mean, right now, with what's going on, you're definitely not running into Matty O in the wild, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, unless things have changed since I last talked to him, Matty O has not left his apartment. <clears throat> has not left it. Wow. To go for a walk around the block. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, uh, this was a, maybe I, uh, I talked to him maybe like a week or so ago. Yeah, he had a hell of a streak going, so I hope that streak's still alive. So you're not seeing him in the, uh, you know, anytime soon, but down the line, sauce man, down the line. Um, hope that streak's know, alive. He's got to get out. He's I know. To breathe. Yeah. Uh, he's <laughs> oddly he built a... for this. <laughs> yeah, well, 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, I don't. Really have a good answer for this. Maybe it's just because uh, I'm a softie right now and I miss it all. <laughs> Even the things I yeah. hate about the NBA, I, I, I can't answer this. Yeah, I, I tried to look at it from a positive standpoint, and I'm, I'm missing like Kevin Harlan. I'm missing Kevin Harlan going crazy on a Thursday night. Like I, I want to hear that again. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather hear that, and I'd rather hear even if I have to put up with Jeff Van Gundy, and Mike, Mark Jackson for a while, just to hear some games again. You know, and yeah. have Doris on the side. So, you know, I, I don't want to look at it as a, as a negative. I want to try to sort of think of the positives about it and what we're going to miss and what I'm really looking forward to coming back. Uh, hopefully soon, but you know, might, even if it's another six months or so, I just, I'm going to really embrace all of it and enjoy it once again. <laughs> when you guys were calling the game, that one game that you got to do in summer league, mm-hmm. did you find it difficult not to fall back on tropes and cliches like like three point land, like when you have to actually fill and talk for the whole time? Was it difficult or? I think it's, I think it's difficult natural not just to. to fall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't remember you specifically. I don't remember specifically what you said. I don't remember it being. I think we were the uh, we were oddly the opposite. Really, being our first time doing it, like we almost were like I remember stretches not saying anything, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Right. Like you want to let it breathe, but I do remember a couple times like we were like because we're basically sitting courtside, and yeah, it's a summer league game. Who cares? But it was like, well, this is cool, and like I just remember us like really watching the action. And it's like, oh yeah, we should maybe sort of Say be something. saying something here. Yeah. So but yeah, I, don't, yeah, I, don't I think feel like it was joke. very hard to not just be like, ooh, nice pass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that that I remember like feeling like you just can't like you just want to say the dumbest most obvious thing that's happening because it's happening out there and you got to say something yeah i also remember talking about wade baldwin like an insane amount <laughs> and of course tass hating on my pink polo shirt that i was wearing <laughs> tass said it was the worst polo shirt we had that week are you kidding me a coral polo on the did, sidelines did we had Old. so we had an array of of uh summer league shirts array of colors was that right and pink was yeah. one of them yeah yeah, it yeah. was like pink with like maybe some gray accents. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. one. And then we had a blue mm. and a gray and yeah, a yeah. dark blue at least and a light Can, blue. Okay. So <laughs> we put, had a lot of blues. Yeah. You're putting on your, your minute uh, multiplication test. Can you throw that baby on uh, Instagram too? Because I don't really remember. <laughs> I'll take it, it up. It was standard issue though, right? I mean, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. A, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be fine with a coral, but hmm. I just remember too doing that game um, – wasn't there like a ball got close to you, Lee, or did you eventually touch it? Like, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 tr- like I definitely, yeah, I definitely tried to touch it because I wanted to get <laughs> you know get my hands on the game ball there. Uh, <laughs> I remember for me, for my, because I was a sideline reporter, and we got uh, the general manager of the Blazers, Neil O'Shea. Everyone else just said no. We couldn't get anyone else. So <laughs> I was just standing there basically the whole time just watching it up close. It was, yeah, I mean, we didn't go to you that much. I remember, nah, no, I remember no. watching from the truck, and every so often Lee would say, Oh, I think we're going to get this guy. We're going to get this yeah, guy. Yeah. Stand by for this guy. Stand by for this guy. <laughs> and then, nah, he left. He just, yeah, left. well, Paul Pierce was there. Joey Crawford was oh, yeah, there, the right. ref. Um, you tried was, for everyone. Uh, yeah. uh, what's his name? The, um, 
uh, the Latvian laser was there, Davis Bertans, but everyone's like, nah, they're not talking today. I'm like, jeez, oh, okay. Couldn't even get Bertans back then. I know, huh? I know, I know. Couldn't you know even what we should have done looking back? We should have uh, been the first broadcast ever to have the sideline reporter interview one of the guys calling the game. Yeah. <laughs> like interviewed Trey. Trey should have got yeah. up and went over or something. Yeah. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. Well, at least got us talking. I, uh, that's right. I, I guess that what for JD's question, like Skeets was sort of in charge of play by play. Skeets wasn't really doing play by play, I guess. So you couldn't really, yeah. weren't falling yeah. in, into the the habit of a Harlan or any play by play sort of regular lines, right? Because you, we were just sort of we're trying to do it different, and we weren't doing the conventional Wade Baldwin. Shoot yeah. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not doing that. Although we it kind of needs that. Just like the kind of every game needs it. It feels so strange not to have that, right? Like now you watch these mm-hmm. 2K games, it would help if somebody said, Devin Booker raises up. I don't know. It, would, yeah, maybe. it helps. Maybe. Thanks, Primo. Uh, uh, let me hold on. I'm going to be negative. I'm going to be negative here for a second. Okay. I'm going to say. There we go. I do not miss talking about video reviews over and over and over over yeah that's fair and especially because a lot of people are watching old games where there were no video reviews and the minutes fly by at the end and i think i'm just throwing this out there i know we want to get the calls right but the league is pretty experimental why not have one year where we don't have video review i mean we can massage it a little bit but why not one year and see how it goes just see what happens I know there's going to be I know there's going to be slow mo replays of stuff online and people are going to yell and scream at their Twitter account, but I don't know. Maybe we can try it. Fine with me. See. Totally fine with me. I just it's just I mean it would probably reduce storylines for us, but I just find over the years we just start talking when we start a show. Eventually, you know, within the first whatever it is, ten minutes, we eventually start talking about a call, a missed call, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Gosh, it would be nice. So those aren't my kids that are home, right? That's somebody else's kids? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> my kids aren't home. All right, let's call it there. <laughs> Guys, keep your questions coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Two new episodes coming up on Thursday. Yes, two. First up, we'll have a brand new episode of No Buffs, our Survivor Recap Podcast. Lee, Tass, are you ready for your first <laughs> Loved Ones Visit Survivor <laughs> Podcast? You are going to be crying tonight. Well, you're certainly, not, you're certainly not underselling this one anyway. I'm expecting no. to get quite emotional uh, watching it tonight. But uh, I just have a quick question about that. Is, um, when do we get the person returning from Edge of Extinction? Do we know? Wow, Great man, question. they just got there um, or just stayed there, I guess. Uh, no, we don't know. It'll probably okay. be not tonight, though. I mean, you okay. can almost guarantee that, I would think. Right, uh, JD? I would say. I would be yeah. very surprised. But Yeah, be very surprised if we get them coming back tonight. But we've seen photos, and this is not a spoiler because the photos are out there on Survivor's you know, Twitter page and everything. Um, usually with the, with the loved ones visit, just one person shows up, right? So it's like, oh, my wife or my dad or you know, my brother or whatever. These photos are like their entire family is there. So it's like your wife and your kids and and like your whole family like there's a little small pocket of your family so i mean it's going to be extra emotional it's oh it's going to be a cry involved. fest for sure yeah yeah it's crazy crazy <laughs> um so that's uh that's our, one of our first podcasts on thursday and then much later much later on thursday night yes we have decided once again to jump on the horn and hit you with an instant nba horse challenge reaction pod 
Uh, we've got semifinals and finals. It's unfortunately <laughs> two more hours of NBA Horace. Hey, maybe it's a little bit better than it was there on Sunday. And we still had a blast talking about it. So that one's later on Thursday night. We'll have something in store on Friday. So much fun coming. Keep your questions coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, I was wrong. It was my kid who came home just letting JD know. <laughs> yeah, she's back from the edge of extinction. Gotta go, gotta go hug her hard. It's just it's a no for JD. Don't uh, don't try and find it in somebody else's audio feed. All good. It'll be in the back. But she was pretty quiet. Nice. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know what you were uh-uh. referencing. I didn't definitely uh, maybe, didn't hear it. Maybe that's because she is in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Embrace the day, people. You could stay.